Thanks for listening to the Seeds Church Podcast. If you're in Middle Tennessee, we'd love to have you join us in person for one of our services. Check out SeedsChurchTN.com for times and locations. Now, here's our lead pastor, J.D. Swilly. So we just had Valentine's a couple of days ago. And, and so, of course, I had to come to you this morning with some Valentine's jokes, Valentine's Day jokes. So uh, bear with me here, okay? You can, you can laugh or you can groan or you can do both at the same time. Um, did Adam and Eve ever have a date? No, they had an apple. <laughs> did you hear about the bed bugs who fell in love? Yeah, they're getting married in the spring. Why do skunks love Valentine's Day? Because they're sent a mental creatures. Yeah, come on. You either, come on. Either groan more or laugh more, but just don't give me silence. <laughs> Why shouldn't you fall in love with a pastry chef? Because he'll desert you. Anyway. What did one cantaloupe say to the other? You're one in a melon. All right, enough of that. Um, th- this week, we're, we're talking about strong families. 2020 is the year of strong families at Seeds Church. Strong blood families, strong families at your address, strong families here within the church family. And uh, someone sent me this quote uh, this week, and it was from a politician, Deanna Lorraine. She's trying to unseat uh, Nancy Pelosi in California's 12th district. And, and this is what Deanna Lorraine said. She said, so many of the issues we're facing, or so many of the issues that we're dealing with across political lines affect all Americans, like rising homelessness, broken families, and fatherless homes. Our country is in a crisis of broken families and fatherless homes right now, and we need to restore these crucial elements because strong families create a strong America. And isn't this what we've been saying and, and, and I'm not just talking about a strong America, but strong families create strong church and strong church, we can impact this city. I may not be able to impact California's 12th district, but I can impact Middle Tennessee and we can impact Middle Tennessee with what God wants to do in our homes and in our church family, amen? God needs us to be a strong family. He needs strong families wherever we are. And this is exactly what we've been saying. This is what God's vision for our church is this year. Your family, wherever you live, this church family, strong family. What do we mean when we say strong family? Well, here's the definition that we've been working from right here. It's a strong, a strong family is this. It's a group of people that may or may not be related to one another by blood or marriage. We've got this on the screen here. Let's put this up so that we can all read it. We're, we may or may not be related to one another by blood or marriage, but we are committed to each other love each other and take care of each other, having the power to succeed through demanding circumstances, withstanding great pressure, staying firmly established without being disturbed, upset, or affected. Right there, strong families. In life, it's inevitable. You cannot avoid it. That the winds are going to blow, the earth is going to quake, and the floodwaters are going to rise. It's inevitable, but if our strong family is built on a firm foundation, then we won't blow over when the wind blows. We will stay remaining when the earth 
quakes, we won't be shaken. And when the floodwaters rise, we won't be washed away, amen? And how many of us know about some floodwaters in the last couple of weeks, right? I was just driving across a little one-lane bridge yesterday, and there's all this debris that's just caught in the, in the railing. And I was just thinking about, man, floodwaters are rising, not only here in the physical realm, but they try to attack us in our homes. But if we're strong families are built in a firm foundation, we will not be moved. We won't be washed away. And what is the foundation for our strong family? We're, going, we're just doing some review here. And you think, J.D., man, why are you repeating yourself? Well, it's because we've got to get this in us. We've got to get it in us where we can, it's part of our DNA, where we don't have to think about this. So what, what is our, our foundation for a strong family? It's our identity in Christ. Our identity in Christ is our foundation, Jesus is the chief cornerstone, and our lives are aligned with and built on who he is and who we are in him. The next building block for our strong family is a biblical worldview. Strong families have a biblical worldview. That means that everything that we feel, everything that we think, everything that we say, everything that we do, everything that is said to us, everything that is done to us, we filter it through the lens of God's word. What does God's word say about this? And why do we do this? Why is it important for our families to be intentional about building a biblical worldview? Because it helps us better know God and it helps us better know who we are. It helps us better know to how to love and obey God. Having a biblical worldview will save us from a world of hurt and it will pull us through, through difficult circumstances, like the circumstances that we're talking about here in this definition, great pressure, demanding circumstances, but we can stay firmly established without being disturbed, upset, or affected, and a biblical worldview helps our family do that. Another building block for our strong family is prioritizing prayer. Strong families prioritize prayer, and even more specifically, they prioritize prayer together. You know, it's a wonderful thing for mom and dad to, to, to know how to pray and spend time with God praying in their own prayer closet or in the car or wherever they find themselves. But are we spending time together in our families praying? Are we spending time together in our church family praying together? And there's wonderful benefits from that. You know, praying together you know, inspires grateful hearts. It builds bonds between us and God. It, it, it opens our hearts to forgiveness. It teaches our children to seek God first, and it builds a legacy of testimony. So we're gonna go in and we're gonna look at the next building block for strong families today, but let's pray first. Heavenly Father, we come to you. We thank you that you are the father of this strong family. You're the father of the body of Christ, you're the father of Siege Church. God, you're the father of our individual families. And God, we recognize that. And so we look to you, Father. Lord, we, Father, we thank you that you are perfect in all of your ways. You're matchless. You're holy. You are set apart. There is none like you. There is not one uh, fault in you. God, some of our earthly fathers, some of our us here in the room, we could say, well, there's fault in us. We're not perfect. But God, 
We look at you, and you, you don't even come close. There's not even a measuring stick to measure how perfect you are. And so we look to you right now, and we say we want to be the strong family that you have for us to be, our blood families and this church family. And God, we know that you're going to use us to make a difference on this earth through our families. In Jesus' name, amen. When the Lord started dealing with me, about strong families in the latter part of 2019. He started uh, unveiling this, this whole idea of strong families in 2020. One of the primary scripture passages that the Holy Spirit highlighted to me was the book of Ephesians. And the first, the, the, the book of Ephesians is Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus. In the first half of the letter, chapters one through three, Paul talks about and lays out the story of the gospel. So he's talking about uh, you know, God's marvelous plan, what Jesus did, what he accomplished, and how we fit into that. And then the back half of the letter, chapters four, five, and six, Paul talks about our response or how we should live our lives or the story of our lives in contrast to or in response to the story of the gospel. And, and, and this includes, he addresses specifically some family dynamics as well. So it's not just like some generalities. He specifically addresses like things between husbands and wives and children. And, and then he gets in and he talks about um, slaves and how masters should treat slaves and slaves should treat their masters. Now, that's not something that's you know, relevant necessarily or that, that language isn't relevant to us here in Middle Tennessee anymore. But we can think of it in terms of maybe you know, employees and employers. But specifically, we're talking about family here. So I'm reading through Ephesians, and, and, and Paul's addressing, right before he starts addressing husbands and wives on how to respond to each other in response to what Jesus has done in their lives, I see another building block for strong families. And it's right here, Ephesians chapter five, verse 15. If you got your Bible, turn there, and if, if you don't, we are gonna have it up here on the screen. And Paul says this, he says, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. And then here's this part right here. Here's the building block. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. Be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. Right there, it's one of another building block for strong families. Strong families engage in worship. Can you say that with me? Strong families engage in worship. This particular use of the word worship here that I'm using is in response to what I read here about you know singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making music to the Lord in our hearts. So when I say we engage in worship, it means we're engaging in that activity. Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, making music to the Lord in our hearts. And you might say, well, JD, that sounds great. But what you didn't know about me is that when, 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 when everyone is worshiping and everyone's singing and everyone's raising their hands, I'm worshiping too. 
I'm just worshiping different. I'm, not, I'm just worshiping without singing. I'm worshiping without raising my hands. I'm worshiping uh, without clapping. I'm worshiping by not moving any other muscle in my body. Listen, I'm not here today to tell you what I think about how you should or shouldn't worship. I'm here today to tell you what God's word says to you about how you should and why you should worship, okay? There's a lot about worship that we need to know. And I wanna just share with you two things today. Two things that I, I hopefully will help you unlock on the inside of you why it's important for you to worship, whether you feel like it or not, whether it feels natural to you or not. But the first one is this. Worship is a response. Worship is a response. When we worship God in, res in response to his greatness, that's why we worship. When we worship God, when we see when creation sees the creator, the natural response ought to be worship. What does that mean, worship? It means that we're placing high value, we're ascribing worth to God. We ought to place the highest value on him because he's worthy. He's worthy of the highest praise in our lives. Psalms 29 verse nine says, in his temple, everyone shouts glory. Okay, yeah. In his temple, everyone shouts glory. glory. Oh, much better. Let's do it one more time. In his temple, everyone shouts glory. glory. Oh, yeah. It doesn't say in his temple, in his presence, you know, only those that have really pressed in, that are really feeling it today, that got enough sleep last night, they're the ones that are shouting glory. No, it says everyone in the temple, everyone in his presence shouts glory. Yes, Romans chapter 14, verse 11 says, it is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will acknowledge God. Church, there's gonna be a day where every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord, and it won't be like, oh, okay, it makes sense to me now. Now I will you know, bow my knee, and I will declare that Jesus is Lord. No, it's gonna be like, oh, I thought I knew, but now I see. God, Jesus, you are Lord. God, I submit myself to you. I bow my knee to you. I bow my life to you. You're Lord. Isaiah chapter six, Revelation chapter four, we read about these heavenly creatures, these angels called seraphim, and they've got six wings and they've got little eyeballs all over their body. I don't know what this looks like. It's just, that's what the Bible says. I have no, like, if, if some artist did a rendering of this, I don't know what it would look like. Six wings, eyeballs all over them, and, and it's probably super weird looking to any of us, but all they do, all they do is they just cry out to the Lord day and night, night and day, over and over and over again. And what do they say? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. It, that's their job. It's what they do. But I don't think that they're before the throne of God and they're worshiping like, holy, holy, holy is Lord God Almighty. 
who was and is and is to come. I think I'm going to get a bottle of water. I'm thirsty right now. Mm. You don't mind? I need to go to the restroom. I'll come right back and I'll start saying holy, holy again. <laughs> what kind of coffee do they brew today, I wonder? It smells really good. Holy, holy, holy. Lord God Almighty. Wow, that's a cool chandelier. I like that. It's cool how they like, it says the grove that's cut out in there. Who was and is and is to come. That's not what they're doing. That's not how it goes. But they are flying around the throne room of God. They're flying around the throne room of God and they're crying out day and night, night and day, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And then they, they're flying around and they're seeing God and then they make an, another turn and they see God with another eyeball because they've got eyeballs all over themselves and they see another aspect of God that they've not seen before. And then they say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. You guys know what the word holy means? It means it's set apart. It means there's not another one like. Their automatic response when they see creator God in his presence is to worship him I think for some of us, when we have difficulty engaging in worship, we need to ask God, God, help me get a greater vision, a greater picture of who you are. Help me turn the corner like the seraphim. Help me see you differently than I've never seen you before, God, because I want my heart to cry out, holy, holy, holy. I want my heart in response to seeing my creator, in response to seeing my Lord, in response to seeing God, the Father Almighty. I want my heart to cry out, holy, holy, holy. That's not the response of your heart. I'm not here to condemn you. I'm here to encourage you to ask God, God, give me more of a revelation of who you are. Get into your Bible and find out who he is. That's why we need a biblical worldview so we can understand who he is and it helps us worship him better. Worship is a response, but I wanna let you know this. Worship is also a discipline. Worship is a discipline. What does that mean if something is a discipline? It means that you do it even when you don't feel like it. Because you know it's what's best for you. You know this is what's best for me. So I'm going to be disciplined and I'm going to, be, I'm going to do this. It means that it's in your best interest and it's in the best interest of others around you that you go ahead and you do this thing even when you don't feel like it. Even when it doesn't feel natural. Even if it doesn't just come easy. Even if it doesn't roll off the tongue. Even if it feels kind of just janky and weird and clunky for some reason. I'm going to do it anyway because it's a discipline. Some of us think there's something wrong with us. Because we just, we, worship just doesn't come natural to us. We look around the room and we see other people that are singing at the top of their lungs and they're, they've got their hands as high in the air as they can get them. And they're clapping and they're shouting loud. And, or maybe uh, so over here today, I look over here and someone's just laying out completely just on the floor and they're on their face before God. You're like, man, what's wrong with me? I don't feel like that. I don't feel like singing at the top of my lungs. As a matter of fact, some of y'all don't want me to sing at the top of my lungs. 
And maybe you're using that as an excuse. I don't feel like clapping today. I got three hours sleep last night. You just, JD, you just better be glad I'm just leaving here this morning. I could be watching Facebook in line and fellowshipping with Pastor Pillow and Sister Sheets. You just, just be, 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 be glad that I'm even here. I don't even feel like it. Listen, I'm telling you, worship is a discipline. We do it even when we don't feel like it. Because, why? Because we know it's what's best for us. It's what's best for those around us. There's nothing wrong with you if you don't feel like it. I understand some of us do have more of a natural proclivity to be more physically expressive with our worship than others. But what you need to know is that every single person on the planet, for every single one of us, worship is a disciplined and it's a learned behavior. I don't care if you look over and you see somebody over here that's just flat on their face before God, or if you look over here and someone's clapping and singing out the top of their lungs, or someone's got their hands raised, or someone's, you know, you got, you got the different worship postures, right? This is like the carry the TV posture right here, you know? And uh, you got the, the pistols, you know. That's when the Holy Spirit was really moving in the Baptist church when you saw the pistols, right? That's what I was, heard Louis Giglio talk about that when he was growing up in the church, First Baptist Atlanta. He's like, man, on Sunday nights, the Holy Spirit would really fall on our Baptist church, First Baptist Atlanta. And you knew it because the pistols came out, you know. <clears throat> so anyway. Listen, some people, it seems like well, that's just, it comes natural to them. But I'm telling you, not one single one of us popped out of our mother's womb and just knew exactly how to worship the Lord in an appropriate way. It was a learned behavior, just like every single thing in your entire life. None of us popped out of our mother's womb and knew how to articulate sentences and words. We had to learn how to do that, right? We had to learn how to walk. We had to learn how to eat. We had to learn how to eat without making a mess all over the table. Learned behavior, and I'm telling you, worshiping God is no different. We think, well, that's their thing, that's what they're good at, that's their spiritual gift, and that's not, listen, I'm not telling you everyone has to look at the exact same, but I'm telling you we need to break down this mindset of thinking, well, that's, that's what they do and that's not for me. You know, they're expressive and I'm not expressive. Listen, it's a discipline. It's a discipline and it's good for you. It's good for you. It's a learned behavior, which means if it doesn't come natural now to you, if you're disciplined in it, if you learn to do it, if you do it when you feel like it, when you do it when you don't feel like it, eventually, it will become more of a natural thing to you. Eventually, it will become just like secondhand nature to you because you have trained yourself on how to worship the Lord. And again, why is this important? Because God is worthy of our discipline. He's worthy of learning how to properly respond to him. Um, last summer, we were at kids camp. And I got to go up for a day and uh, just kind of participate and take pictures and 
see how things were going. And one of the most memorable things, actually probably the only memorable thing that I can think of from my time there is the worship time. And it, it was awesome to see all the kids engaging in worship. It was amazing to see all of them and they're doing the motions to their song and they're singing these songs and they're, they're worshiping the Lord you know, freely without motions, but they're just doing it from their hearts because they've seen that modeled for them from their leaders. But I tell you what blessed me even more than seeing the kids worship was I was able to go up like in this, this catwalk that they have there. And I was looking around and I was taking video and pictures. And then I w- was able to step also kind of come down on the, on the ground floor and step back behind everybody. And kind of out on the edges, there's four men from our church who were there to, to lead boys that week. And man, these men, they're not out in front of the boys leading everything because they're not part of the, the quote unquote worship team. But I'm telling you, they're behind those boys. Andrew, Robert, Aaron, Luke. And you guys were just completely going for it. You guys were going for it before the Lord. And that blessed me because I said, man, there's some men who are engaging in worship. They're not, well, you know, that's just my, that's my wife's thing. You know, she's the one that's expressive in worship. No, they that, didn't, that wasn't a thought on their mind at that moment. The thought on their mind at that moment was, God, you are good, you are great, you are holy, you are wonderful, you deserve my worship, you deserve me singing out, you deserve me jumping up and dancing, you deserve my hands up because you're worthy. And I'm telling you, that's what we need. We need that from your moms and dads. That's why we have the kids in here with us on Sunday morning during our worship time. Strong families engage in worship. So I want to encourage you when your kids are here in, in here with you during our worship time. Listen, I understand from time to time that they need to go to the bathroom, okay? But, but help them understand, hey, we're going to go to the bathroom before worship starts or we're going to go to the bathroom after worship starts. Not because, you know, it's disrespectful and we're like, you know, we're... God's so holy, we can't go to the bathroom during worship. That's not what it's about. But it's because we're gonna, God's so holy and he's so worthy that we're gonna give him 100% of our attention during this moment and we're gonna worship together as a family. And we're t- t- This is an opportunity with our kids in here to show them the worthiness of God, the holiness of God, how great and how mighty and how awesome he is. Johnny, I understand that you wanna go to the bathroom but you can wait just five more minutes. Susie, I understand you wanna get a bottle of water. That's fine, you can wait just another minute. But right now, what we're gonna do is we're gonna stand up, we're gonna raise our hands and we're gonna sing loud because God is worthy of it all. He is holy, he is holy, he is holy. Listen, strong families engage in worship. Here's what I want us to do. I want us to close our time together. And I want us to just take a moment to practice what we preach. Can we do that? Can you stand up with me right now? The band's gonna come back up. And I want us to take a moment to respond to how awesome God is. Let's develop, for some of us, this is gonna be discipline. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with you not feeling it right now. What's wrong is 
after you've heard this and you've heard what God's word says, what's wrong is to ignore what the word of God says. It's like, what does James say? Man, you guys look in the word of God and it's like a mirror. And some of you, your hair is all out of place and you got weird things hanging out of your nose. But instead of allowing your, the mirror to show you what you need to do, you just go on and you put that and you go on and do your life and you don't change anything about yourself. That's what would be the tragedy here. So let's engage. Let's press in. Let's worship. So right now, look, can we do this? Before we, as we get ready to start, uh, Terry, if you're over there, you can go ahead and just start, give us a G or something. But right now, for the, for the next 30 seconds, 30 seconds, if you can, we're just gonna lift our voices out loud with our mouths. And listen, there's all kinds of different expressions before the Lord. There's even times where it is quite appropriate to stand still before the God, before God and be kind of contemplative. But right now, this is a time to be more expressive. This is a time to lift our voice. This is a time to clap. This is a time to raise our hands. This is a time to dance. So for the next 30 seconds, let's just do this uninterrupted prayer, uninterrupted praise to God. If you're like, well, I don't know what to say. Listen, I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna praise God and then you can just say the same words after me, okay? But you just put the meaning behind it, okay? Next 30 seconds, here we go. Here we go, ready? God, you're awesome. Come on, the people of God. God, you're a good father. There's no one like you. You're worthy of all honor. You're worthy of all praise. God, you're worthy of everything in my life, God. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for my family, God. Thank you for this church, God. Thank you for filling me with your Holy Spirit. Thank you for, for Jesus who died on the cross for me, redeeming me back to you, God. God, thank you so much. If you just run out of things to say, repeat yourself. You're a holy God. You're a holy. Thanks for listening. Stay connected with us at SeedsChurchTN.com and on social media. Our mission at Seeds Church is to help people discover who God created them to be and equip them to do what He called them to do. One of the easiest ways you can help us accomplish our mission is by simply sharing this podcast. You can do so by subscribing, leaving a review on iTunes, or sharing it with your friends on Facebook. Thanks again for listening. We hope to see you soon.